This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, welcome to the Kern River Fly Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Guy Jeans. And I want to thank everybody for listening to the show out there, and especially all the folks from all the different countries. Give a little shout out to Chile. Hey, Chile. In Argentina. Just kidding. But um, yeah, I uh, really want to thank everybody for listening to the, the podcast. We've had an overwhelming response, and we're on Waypoint TV now, which is awesome. And uh, I'm really excited right now to have Kayla on the show. And um, I hope I pronounced your name, your last name right, Nevius? It's Nevius. Nevius, okay. And um, she is a a fisher lady (laughs) and a hunter and a a businesswoman, I would say, and a nutritionist, to say, and internet uh, personality for sure. And, um, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Do you remember how we met? I believe we met at Fred Hall. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if you're going to remember that years ago. Yeah. 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 And I think you just came into the booth maybe and you said, Hey, I'm Kayla and I like to fish. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, and so I, I just want to get right into it and, you know, ask you, how did you get into fishing? Like, you know, was it when you were real little or? Yeah, I've been fishing and hunting since the time I could remember. I have pictures of me holding bass up when I was like three years old. So is um, that with your dad? Yep. Oh, yeah. right on. So Good I old always dad, man. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Dad got me involved in the outdoors. Um, we always did stuff outdoors, but my dad was the one who was always like, come on, let's go fishing, you know, every weekend or whenever we had time. So, yeah, I've been doing it since I was. A little kid but then I kind of got dove a little deeper and got more serious about it about seven years ago so okay and your your main target is big bass big bass yeah. it wasn't always like that I grew up fishing for everything I mean we would trout fish the river we'd crappie fish the lake trout fish the lake trolling um pretty much everything we did uh-huh. bass fish but it was mostly just like float tubing the dam back and forth and we never really did there wasn't a rhyme or reason it was just kind of like this is what we do And, um, once I got a little more serious about it, like I said, I kind of just dove right into it head first about seven, eight years ago and started exploring, started learning, did a bunch of research and I just wanted to know more. I wanted to catch bigger fish. I knew they were out there. I think social media kind of like taught me that there was more out there. So I started seeing pictures of these really big bass and I'm like, I want to catch those. So I kind of just dove right in. So I read somewhere that you would go fishing in Ventura. Yeah, uh-huh. um, like that was another. Fishing? Yeah, that was another thing when we were kids. We'd go a few times, and I know you you yeah, go yeah. there all the time. I love um, it. A few times a year, we would always go family vacation to Ventura, and 
my brother would kind of boogie board and surf sometimes and I was always fishing with my dad and we'd you know catch our fish and let some go keep some for dinner that was like part of our camping you know week we would <laughs> we'd make sure that we had a few days where we we're catching fish for dinner so so it sounds like your dad was a big influence definitely for sure <laughs> yeah is he still fishing with you or he's still he's kind of taking care of his dad down south a little uh-huh. bit but he's still i mean he called me a couple of days ago and he went surf fishing and he's just nice. living his best life still yeah so right on yeah did you guys uh, use sand crabs? Did you guys yep. find? Is that mostly what you used? Yep, we would use sand crabs. We'd dig our feet in the sand and get find sand crabs and find some clams and yep. That's cool. So when you started learning how to fly fish, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, fly fish. <laughs> when you started learning how to fish for bass, were you just using like, you know, um, jigs and live worms bait. and live bait? Live bait only. Um, that was another transition. I kind of went through a huge transition when I kind of took things into my own hands. So growing up, we used live worms um, and crawdads. So -hmm. that was like the thing, like you got to go to the store, buy a thing of crawdads, buy a thing of worms. And I mean, I was working, I was driving a lake by myself and stuff. And it was kind of a pain to, you know, I want to fish before work every day and I have to go and get crawdads and then I have to go to work and then, you know, they end up going bad or whatever. Like it was just kind of dealing with it and. Um, part of my research and kind of expanding, I started learning about different lures. And one day when I was fishing with crawdads or worms, I found a crankbait on the shoreline and I was like, I could do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I tied it on and I actually caught a bass, like (laughs) second cast or something. Uh And I was like, this is cool. This is what I want to do. Like, I want to learn more. I want to be better. And I want to, you know, I want to learn how to fish every type of lure there is pretty much. Um, so that's what I did. What's your favorite? I use big swim baits. Big imitation trout swim baits are my favorite. <laughs> Those things are like what, like twenty five bucks a piece or something? Or are they oh, they're uh, more than that? More than that. Are they? Like how much are they? <laughs> my favorites are between one hundred fifty and two hundred dollars. No way! So you're like using yeah. like fifty pound tests, so you don't when you snag <laughs> thirty thirty pound. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to lose that thing. Huh? Anywhere between twenty and thirty, it it depends. And yeah. then like some of my other favorites are big topwater rat swim baits. Um, most of the swim baits I throw are between eight and ten inches, uh-huh. um, and they're pretty heavy. So yeah, twenty 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 five pound uh, test. Mono or fluoro, depending on what I'm fishing, the style of fishing I'm doing. But those topwater rats, I'll use any any topwater swim bait. Really, I'll use some heavy braid. So uh-huh. that way, you make sure that's not going anywhere. I know. So if it snags, and you got, do you have one of those things that slides down and gets yeah, it? Up? I yeah, I have lure retrievers. Uh, yeah. It's a sad day, though. I mean, yeah, I've I bet. I've lost a lot, a yeah. lot of money, and shed a couple tears. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Uh, I'd say more than snagging anything, it's, I've casted off a couple that are pretty expensive and then they're kind of like down at the bottom of the lake somewhere and rotting, but yeah. I got to just say something real quick. So if you could talk like a little bit close, yeah, right. Because I'm like reading you here. It's a little low. So, and uh, so um, what's your favorite? Is it top water or is it? Topwater rat is definitely my favorite. Once we get into that like summertime when it's yeah. hot and I know they're going to be up and just like waiting for something, yeah. throwing those big rats and uh-huh. topwater is just exciting. Yeah. There's something about it. And then you kind of get to be sneaky and play with it, cast in the shadows and mm-hmm. try to land it quietly in the shadows or run it by some brush or somewhere where you think that they're going to be, you know, ready to attack something. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. So are you mostly fishing those uh, rats 
when it's uh, low light conditions? Or are you doing um, it during the middle of the day too? I honestly fish them kind of all day. It depends. Yeah. Low light's always a great time to fish. I mean, yeah. swim bait fishing, a lot of people are like dedicated to the, you know, first hour of the day and the last yeah. hour of the day, that low light condition. It's definitely great. But I've found with the rat, actually, I target shadows a lot. So even if there's shadows, I find trees, I find rocks, anywhere there's shadows and, and I target that and I catch a lot of them. So, so those rats, what do they look like a rat? Look like a rat, exactly nice. like a rat, carved cool. out of wood, um, nice. painted like a rat. Uh huh. Yeah, have a tail. They have a little rubber tail. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I was fishing uh, my local lake here, Lake Isabella, one morning, real early in the morning, and this when the lake was full years ago, and I was over by Rabbit Island, you know, mm-hmm. and that was, was full out there. It was awesome, and uh, I I saw a mouse swimming, <laughs> like it had fallen off a. Yeah. Tree and it was swimming and I'm like, look at that, you guys, that thing's gonna get munched. And all of a sudden, gosh. Oh my gosh. Just nailed it. I love it. So yeah. you know, in the fly fishing world, you know, I, I I love to fly fish for bass. So I had my uh one of my buddies uh tie up this it's a rat too. That's it's a, awesome. made out of uh, deer hair and whatnot. <laughs> but they're pretty fun to to oh throw as gosh. well. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. Yeah, so I I mean yours are yours a lot bigger. They're a lot bigger. They're definitely at least two times as big as this. Big bait, big fish. Yeah, that's right? that's honestly. Maybe I need to have them tie a little bit bigger. <laughs> right? You're like, hey, we have Kayla here. She's yeah. requesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, if they're, I've, I've caught some pretty good sized bass with this. Yeah. This, this size fly, but I mean, I bet if I had Rob Bueller make me a a bigger one, it might be a little bit bigger fish. You should yeah. try it. Yeah. Tell them I'll try it. Yeah, I think that, sure, huh? that's so much fun. Yeah, I actually, and I have the rats that I throw. I have a couple different sizes that I throw. And uh, the smaller one definitely gets more bites. but the, And it catches big fish. I caught a eight and a half this past summer on it. But um, yeah, those big, big ones. big fish, man. Yeah. That's it was, awesome. It was a blast. Were you just freaking out? When I hooked it, it pulled the boat. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> and, and I lost uh, a double digit like a couple weeks before that right uh-huh. at the net. It jumped off right at the net, and uh-huh. I was solo fishing, you know. So, it's amazing. Um, when I was going to net that one, I was pretty careful. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's so cool. There was like two inch visibility, so I couldn't even see the fish when I'm like trying to pull it up, and I was just like, "Come on, you've got to net this." <laughs> yeah, it was awesome though. So, is bass your favorite? Bass is my favorite. And, and why is that? Is why is bass your favorite? Um, bass is my favorite too, but I want to hear why yours. I think. I fell in love with the strategy of it and then also just the fact that they can get so big Mm -hmm. and kind of the sport of like a lot of people don't understand catch and release. Um, At least when I grew up, I never really, I used to keep bass. I used to eat bass. I was raised to catch your limit of two and keep them and eat them and they were delicious. And Mm kind of that same time that I went through that transition and started learning a lot more, I was like, no, I want to let these go because you Mm -hmm. let them go. They get bigger. You catch big ones. Like I want to catch big ones. So now it's kind of a respect thing, but yeah, just trying to figure out how to trick them and catch a big one. It's kind of like hunting and trying to, to get a big animal, something that's mature. It's smart. It has experience and it's not, it's, those big fish, you can't just catch them. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, someone gets kind of lucky, but they're pretty smart. So I like that aspect of it. It's challenging. Yeah. Rusty Brown, uh, 
and he catches a lot of big fish. Yeah, he I've does. had him on the podcast as well. I think you were. Telling yeah, I, me lis- your, I listened to it. Yeah, yeah, and um, but he fishes a lot of different lakes. Yeah, and guides a lot of different lakes, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Do you have a favorite lake that you like to fish in the uh, in uh, um, California or? I've only fished Southern Southern California, and uh-huh. I definitely have a few. I do want to hit some of the NorCal lakes as yeah. far as like the Delta and stuff I've heard are just amazing. But right, yeah. Um, there's a there's a really cool uh, fly fishing bass tournament called Bass on the Fly. Have you heard Bass uh, Bass and Fly? Okay. And it's um it's uh, all all fly fishing for bass. But this one year they were going to set me up with a, a conventional mm-hmm. bass guy pro. And, um, and it was, he, he had to fly fish, but he knew the area and stuff. So it was going to be kind of, it was going to be kind of fun, you know? Yeah. But I would be showing him how to fly fish and he would know where the fish are and all that stuff and be looking at my (laughs) flies going, what in the world? But we would have, it was supposed to be a good time, but he got, he, he won a tournament. So he had to go, uh, fish the tournament. So I didn't get to go, but, but it's, um, it's a super cool tournament up in the the Bay area and the, in the Delta. Yeah. I think I've heard of it before actually. yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a lot. Of, a lot of people do it. Yeah. Have you Have you uh, fished for any striper yet? Or I have fished for striper on occasion, but nothing too serious. Again, my passion for bass fishing now always draws me back to largemouth bass. Yeah. I mean, even if I think about like, oh, like crappie are biting, I should go catch some crappie. I'm like, but what if the bass are biting? What if the bass eats? <laughs> but crappie? what if I throw a crappie imitation swim bait and go. then I catch a big bass? So yeah. it it lures me in. Um. I, I have a really cool uh, area here in in my area. It's a lower kern, and and uh, we have smallmouth bass there. And so that's kind of like my geeky passion too. Is, yeah, is uh, developing flies for that. So t- tell me a little bit about like how you set up like for um, you know throwing your lures and stuff. Is there like a certain like formula that you have um, as far as like are you just you and your monofilament down or your braid down to the lure and just throwing it? Or is there a certain amount of leader that you use or anything like that? Or yeah, that for, for the most part, I'll tie some braid backing usually just to spill, fill space in the reel. And then okay. usually I'm just throwing straight braid or straight mono or floral. Okay. And then are you finding the fish in different depths throughout the year? Definitely. Like, kind of tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, I actually didn't, I don't really fish the winter anymore. I've kind of spent a lot of snowing days out there in the freezing cold, not catching fish, especially brutal, with swim baits. Huh? Like, where uh, do they go? Yeah. Swim bait <laughs> fishing is kind of, it's definitely not a game of numbers. It's a game of size. So, um, a lot of people think I'm crazy cause I'll go out multiple trips without even catching a fish or getting a bite. Um, when it's cold, that just magnifies. So I definitely don't really fish that much in the winter. Part of that is they go deep, um, and they're hard to find. (laughs) So, um, yeah, when they start moving up to spawn, they move, you know, they move up the shoreline a little bit. It's kind of easier to find them. You, I always look for spots that maybe could be a good transition area, good staging spot. Maybe I can get a feel for a little bit of everything. If they're up shallow avocast, if they're out deeper avocast. This time of year, I definitely do more search fishing. So just trying to figure out what level they're at. And um, sometimes they even spawn in stages too. So you'll get a wave of them that come up and spawn and then you won't catch them for a while or you'll catch some deep for the rest of the month. And then all of a sudden you'll catch them shallow again when they're, the next group's up spawning. So, um, yeah, it just depends. Once I find 
once I'm getting bites at a certain depth or on a certain type of contour or structure, then that's kind of what I focus on for the, the rest of the day. Is there a certain color that you use at a certain time of the year? Um, not really. I'm pretty much, most of my baits are trout imitation yeah. besides those rats. I do have some crappie and bluegill that I throw depending on if I'm seeing some, you know, match the hatch type stuff. Yeah. Um, same with shad. I mean, if I'm seeing a bunch of shad, I'll throw a, a big six inch, eight inch shad colored swim bait. Um, but a lot of the times I'm, I'm throwing trout colors. Um, I do have some darker ones. I have some lighter ones. I have some that are dark with a pop of color. Um, mm-hmm. It just depends. And that's another thing. If, if I'm not getting bit and no one's really getting bit, then sometimes I just throw one that's a little bit different, something that they haven't been seeing and sure. try to get a reaction. Yeah. What about when they stock lakes? Do you find that the fish feed on those and then they don't eat? Or are uh, you finding that opposite. the opposite okay yeah we we miss the <laughs> we miss the regular big trout stocks that yeah southern california used to get um i think that played a big role in how big the bass were getting and definitely i mean for swim bait fishing if they're stocking then it, they're they're better to catch i think the trout or the bass just get targeted in on that type of food and they get kind of excited about chasing some trout around and getting a a good meal out of it so um, for swim bait fishermen we like trout stocks we're just not getting as many of them as we used to or as much as many trout as we used to get in each stock yeah those things are heavy too those big old uh, swim baits yeah they're pretty heavy yeah so when you're throwing them they, they they sink pretty fast it depends. There's okay. some floating ones. There's oh, some there slow sink, fast sink, moderate sink. It just, it really depends. And that also what style or, or what weight of bait I'm fishing also depends on the type of year or the type of fishing I'm doing. Um, when the water's pretty cold, I'll fish kind of low and slow, a really heavy bait. I'll let it sink all the way to the bottom and just really slowly wind it along the bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes I also use those really heavy baits to wind it really fast. Um, if it's windy and get a reaction bite. So, um, and then there's other times where you just want something to kind of cruise if something's suspended or if they're up kind of shallower and you just want it to kind of cruise and suspend a couple feet below Mm -hmm. the surface, then we use those too. Nice. Sounds like you know what you're doing. I love <laughs> I, it. <laughs> I try. I've spent a lot of time on the water. I definitely so, wouldn't say I'm an expert by any means, but I uh, spent it. Have you ever thought about guiding or anything like that? I've thought about it. I yeah. just, I don't know. Yeah. I You'd love it. Fish. I love it so much. I'm <laughs> like, huh, I, I need to fish. And I also, I've always worked a lot and yeah. tried to balance my hobbies. So when I did have time, when I do have time to, to get out there, it's like I'm really dedicated to improving my skills yeah i know i noticed in the in the winter it just is so tough for bass especially on in on my river the the lower current it's like it's like they disappear yeah you know once it goes like i would say like below like 45 degrees it's like the small mouth they just i don't know they just disappear i think they just suspend deep yeah, and yeah. then they're just kind of like sitting there dreaming yeah. or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty interesting yeah i've heard i mean for bass they say like you pretty much have to put the lure right on their head and hope yeah. that they want to eat it because they're just kind of lethar- leth- lethargic yeah. that time of year do you find that um some of the southern california lakes that they spawn at different times 
just because of like, uh, you know, like elevation of the lakes yeah, and I've, that sort of thing? I've, I've seen that and I've heard that. I definitely think like higher elevation mountain lakes maybe spawn a little bit later, which mm-hmm. is kind of, I don't know, makes it interesting if you mm-hmm. like to travel and fish different lakes. Um, like I'm sure Rusty knows all, yeah. all about it because he fishes so many different lakes, but um, you can kind of chase the spawn in a way if yeah. you're that dedicated, but um, yeah, I definitely think the colder mountain lakes spawn a little later, and then sometimes they have that more of a um, spaced out maybe time where some of them will come up and spawn really early, and some of them might come out and spawn a couple months later even, so a lot of other lakes uh, by the coast that I've fished, I know it's kind of like a one-and-done type thing. It's like mm-hmm. this is a month that they spawn, February, whatever, early March, and then they're they're done. So, is there uh, on the Southern California lakes? Is there like a? I've always heard of this like pre-spawn, like some of them will come in early. Yeah, heard, yeah, and and way earlier than normal. Yeah, and get in shallow. Mm-hmm. You, you find that? Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, pretty much every lake I fish, there they'll there will be a little pre-spawn phase where they come up shallow looking for beds, dusting beds off, and mm-hmm. um, that's a good time to catch them for sure. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty vulnerable then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. They're coming up shallow. They're looking for food. They're getting ready to spawn. They're looking for a partner, you yeah. know, so they're just cruising the shorelines usually, and it's a good time to, to get them. Well, before the podcast, we were chatting a little bit and you were talking about, let's talk about hunting a little bit. That's your okay. other passion. Yeah. Um, you just went on a trip, it sounds like. Or yeah, was multiple trips, but a few months ago, I went to Alaska actually. Okay. So that was really exciting. Yeah. And what'd you do there? So, um, my friend Bridget called me one day and she's like, Hey, I know this is super late notice, but in a couple weeks you want to go and hunt caribou in Alaska. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) So I like last minute, you know, Hey job, can I go? I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm going. So, um, yeah, we cruised up to Alaska, just both of us. We'd never been to this part of Alaska. We'd never been hunting in Alaska. I've been there fishing before. She's been there fishing before. Um, so we got up there, we rented a U-Haul van. We lived out of U-Haul van for a week and we traveled around and we gave it our best. And, uh, that was actually my first time fly fishing. All right on. Yeah. And what did you guys catch up there when you were fly fishing? We caught native grayling, which I knew nothing about because I'm not in the fly fishing world and I'm here in California, but, uh, she's actually a guide in Utah. So she knows all about, I guess they have grayling there. And so she had that like on her bucket list. Like I want to catch native grayling. So, um, she's a fly fishing guide. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she right. is. Yeah. In, yeah. In Utah. In Utah. Where, whereabouts in Utah? Um, hi, Southern Utah. I'm not exactly sure okay. of what the town is. She cool. lives in a really small town, but nice. yeah, she's awesome. And, um, yeah, so we randomly one day it was midday we knew we weren't going to hunt the rest of the evening because we just weren't on the caribou we were trying to find them and we'd hiked all morning and you know had a day we were kind of changing locations and where we were driving by the road just happened to come really close to the river and she'd brought her fly stuff just in case we had time like what if we both tag out and we have more time in alaska so Anyways, I was like, that looks really good. And she was like, that does look really good. And there was like this guy drinking a cup of coffee on the side of the road, like randomly in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. And uh, we're like, hey, are there fish in there? And he's like, yeah, there's native grayling. There's a bunch of them. And we're like, all right, cool. So sure enough, we go out there. She casts a couple times. She got a bite. And uh, 
finally a little bit later maybe 20 minutes later she catches one and i'm i'm excited i'm like oh my gosh this is so cool i'd never really been up close and personal with anybody fly fishing before so Mm -hmm. it was awesome to see and uh she's like all right i'm gonna teach you how to do this i can teach Mm -hmm. you how to cast and everything and i of course was trying to be too aggressive i'm used to throwing like yeah four (laughs) ounce swim baits and you know um so you break the fly off oh my gosh no (laughs) i didn't but she Mm -hmm. she was an awesome teacher and uh Luckily, I learned within like five or 10 minutes. It was cool. like super quick process. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, I casted for about 10 minutes and I caught one and we kind of just traded the rod back and forth and we each caught two and then the sun went down. So a cool experience. Yeah, it was awesome. It's I, a good first fly fishing experience got, for sure. I got hooked. I already right got on. my own stuff and I'm, I'm ready nice. to, to dive in. Right on. So tell me about like uh, an actual hunt. I mean, you're when you're hunting caribou, were you... You, you guys were using rifles. We were using yeah. rifles for yeah. hunting caribou, um, and we weren't successful. They were kind of like in this in-between range that you couldn't hike to. You had to either get a plane or a boat, and we weren't doing that. But um, multiple other hunts. Before that, I had, uh, in California, you get two deer tags. So a rifle tag. This year, I had a rifle tag and a archery tag. Um, I didn't fill my archery tag. This was a really busy year for me. Um, started my own business working my business and my old job. Um, at the same time, I kind of had to sacrifice a lot of my hunting and fishing time, but I did get a rifle deer. Um, so I got to fill the freezer with that. And then even just in December, I was gone for a couple weeks in Arizona archery hunting. And then last month in January, I was hunting Arizona again for a couple weeks, archery. Awesome. And I got, I mean, I got within 50 yards of four giant deer ginormous deer Uh within 50 yards and just never had a shot there was always a bush in the way or something happened so there's a picture that you sent me that looked like a pretty big deer yeah that was a archery deer i got last year Uh yeah that was my biggest archery deer how many points is that or that was that was a four pointer yeah yeah that was big though yeah so that's that's my biggest archery deer i'm pretty proud of that one yeah um about the time that i got like dove head first into fishing and got really serious about fishing I mean, I transitioned from using live bait to lures, and then I transitioned from using lures to only swim baits because I fell in love with those as soon as I started using those. I bought a bass boat after only being on. Oh, you did? Yeah, I (laughs) bought a bass boat after I'd only only been on one one time. I was like, I want to buy one of these. So yeah, I like completely changed my fishing style and everything. And that same year, I bought a bow and was like, I'm going to start archery hunting. I never did it before. I just wanted to kind of like fishing. I just wanted to get more serious. I wanted to challenge. I wanted to really hone down on my skill and be good at what I was doing. So, and I think a part of that was about a year before that, actually earlier in that same year, when I'd gotten more serious about fishing and everything, I caught a 10 pound bass. I caught a 10 and a half pound bass. And I was like, oh my gosh, big deal. And, uh, it blew up on social media, which was really weird and uncomfortable for me because I'd only had like friends and family on my social media. There was like 150 people maybe. Uh (laughs) And, uh, somehow a random fishing page saw it and they shared it. And I jumped up to like 15,000 in like a week, 15,000 followers. I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) Like I'm a very private person. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, so I was like, whatever, just like, let it happen. You didn't try for this to happen. So, um, I was like, just stay true to yourself, keep doing you and, and do it. So yeah, that was kind of the, the start of that and, and getting serious about everything and, 
Yeah. So tell me about like the process of like, you know, when you're using your bow, how you stock, you know, that's probably the fun part, right? It is. Oh my God. It sounds, that sounds fun. Um, so you, you, go to a spot or you pre, like I, you pre-fish it. Do you, do you pre like look at it? Yeah. Like, at that spot and like see if they're coming through there, like they're migrating sure. through there. So we do a lot of like, scouting. Yeah. So um, I spend tons of time hiking. I put a lot of miles on, do mostly like 10 plus mile hikes. And my goal, I wouldn't say in California we have the best hunting, but mm-hmm. um one of my goals is to get away from people. I want to find hopefully a big deer that's somewhere that hasn't been pressured before. So I try to avoid like the high pressure areas where a lot of hunters go. And part of that is usually going farther or hiking up something steeper than most people are willing to go up. Uh Um, so yeah, we definitely, I do a ton of hikes like that, looking for deer before the season, even like the year before the season, it just depends. Um, lots of miles on, on boots before, um, when I'm not fishing and then also glassing, um, hiking around using binoculars, trying to find deer. And once you find deer in a certain area, depending on the time of year, you can usually count on them kind of being in that area. Um, they'll have a couple mile like home radius, but usually you can kind of know that, okay, I should be able to find this buck if you're doing it right. And if you have the time, um, the goal is to be able to, to scout one beforehand and kind of know that this is my target buck. Okay. So you're out there and you find one, then what? So it kind of depends. Um, but a lot of times it's waiting to see either where the buck's going. If you don't know. Um, and a lot of times you want to wait for it to bed. Sometimes you can kind of ambush it and try to cut it off with archery. That's difficult, especially if you don't have a partner that has walkie talkies to lead you in. Um, I've gotten most of my deer solo. Um, that big one though, I did have my fiance. He, we found it together. We glassed it. We watched it. We bet it down. It was actually rutting. So it kept getting up and chasing a doe and it was difficult, but he helped me lead, lead me in on that one. So that was, that was helpful. But a lot of times you'll wait for them to bed down. Once they bed down, you can kind of come up with a game plan and figure out, okay, where do I need to come from? What's the wind doing? Right? Like I have to trick their ears. I have to trick their eyes and I have to trick their nose. So that's all part of the challenge of it and archery and having to get so close. Yeah. I mean, just to get close with enough with a bow, that's a big deal. Yeah. Right. It's so much fun. What's the distance like you have to get into before you can take a shot? So for me, my comfortable range is like 65 yards. Um, I practice farther than that, but I wouldn't want to shoot one farther than that. Mm-hmm. Um, Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 
at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And everybody's different. I mean, I know people who shoot consistently at 100 yards and they shoot little tiny groups and it's great. But yeah, for me, I think my first one was at 30. My second one was at like 20 yards and my last one was at about 50 yards. That's a that's pretty hard to get in that close, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you well, do that? How do you, you got to be downwind and how do you, they can hear you, right? Yeah. It's kind of funny because I've been to Arizona many years now and I haven't actually killed a deer in Arizona for yeah. archery, but every time I get in super close, like I said, I was in uh-huh. four giant bucks, like huge uh-huh. bucks within 50 yards. And everyone's like, yeah, the trouble, like you're gonna have to get in closer. No, everyone says like, oh, you're gonna have to shoot really far. Like if you're going to Arizona, you're gonna have to shoot far. And I'm like, no, like I get in close. <laughs> like I can do that. I'm pretty stinky. Um, yeah, definitely playing the wind. I have a little like wind puffer. So that actually I keep it in my binocular harness. So mm-hmm. um, when I get in close and the whole time I'm going in, kind of bring that out. And it's just little like... Um, kind of like baby powder consistently consistency, I guess, but you just puff it and it goes and you can see what way the wind's going. Um, in the morning, the wind is usually going one way and then midday it kind of stalls or switches or, I mean, depending on the area, you might kind of have that figured out and know like, okay, the thermals are going to change at this time, you know, heat's going to rise and the wind's going to change. But yeah, definitely paying huge attention to that. A lot of times deer actually bed so that the wind is at their back so that they can look with their eyes and look for danger. But then the wind's coming behind from behind them so they can smell danger that would be coming from behind them. They're really uh, strategic about how they bed. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So everything, the stars align, everything's awesome. And you get in and you shoot one and you're, you said you were solo. Yeah. Okay. Not on the, not on the last big one. I wasn't solo, but yeah, Uh, my, my other ones before that. Yeah. Okay. So you, you get the deer and then you're, and then what? Okay. And you, you get up, you go up to it and then what? And you're pretty far in there. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty far in there. That was another thing that like 
but being raised hunting, you know, yeah. my rifle hunting is how I was raised. And we'd always went to like the same couple spots and we never went anywhere else. And I remember I, my dad got kind of mad at me, but that year that I got all serious about everything, I was like, dad, why do we go to these same spots where there's no deer? Like <laughs> there's like hardly any deer. There's only uh-huh. these little small ones. Like, uh-huh. why don't we go anywhere else? So again, like the wanting to find big bass, I want to find big deer. I started exploring. Um, so I started hiking farther. Well, Growing up hunting, since we always went to these close spots, we would just drag the deer out. They were always little, you know, little forkies or something. We were always close to a road. I get it. I was young. I probably wasn't strong enough to go on these crazy hikes anyways. But yeah, so now, I mean, get the deer and then I actually completely debone it out in the field. Um, So I start by skinning it. And then I take all the meat off the bone. I have these special bags that I put all the meat in. Usually I'll lay the meat out so that it cools first before I put them in the bags, put them in the bags. And then my backpack has an actual meat shelf designed in it. So the bag actually separates from the frame and it has like a whole section just to put your meat in after you get an animal. So and then the hike out is very painful. (laughs) You have to go back too, or is it all you can get it all in one? You get it all in one. Can you? Um, yeah, it's heavy. So that's like what, seventy pounds or yeah, more? Yeah, yeah. Plus your your pack. Plus your pack and your gear and and everything. It's a lot. Wow. Yeah, I like it when my fiance is with me. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so that uh, yeah, when he when we're not hunting together, I usually try to be smart about it and try mm-hmm. not to go on a super crazy long one. Um. We went on on one this year. My rifle deer, actually, he was with me and I was like, I want to pack it out on my own just because. And he was like, "Okay, like, I'm not going to fight you on that. You know, he was there. But I was like, I I want to because it's good experience. And I I had a new backpack and I wanted to make sure I knew how it worked. Um, Another important thing when you're out in the field, especially by yourself, you never know if it's going to be dark in the evening and you're hiking out alone and just knowing how all your gear works and making sure it works properly is important. So, yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of poundage. Yeah, it is. Getting it out of there. You got to be in shape for that for sure. Yeah. I've I've heard of like some of the elk hunters, like they're way back in there. They got to do two trips, I think. Yeah. So, um, the care back to Alaskan caribou hunting, my friend, we we didn't (laughs) actually, we didn't actually get a caribou on that trip, but, um, my friend went back a couple days later. Our tags were still valid. I had work, so I couldn't, but she randomly just went back and she actually got one and she's a little bit smaller than me. And luckily hers wasn't that far of a pack out, but I think it was about a mile and she had to do, I think four trips total to get her caribou out. And yeah, it's pretty wild. You mentioned your, uh, fiance is, is he big time hunter and fisher person too? So, uh, we met through bass fishing Huge bass fishing guy. He has a lake record of a 16.2 pounder in one of the SoCal lakes. And, uh, that's a big bass. Yeah. And so obviously I was like, wow, okay. This guy, he catches big bass and he throws (laughs) swimming. Yeah. He catches a lot of double digits. Um, (laughs) so yeah, we started talking through bass fishing and, um, he's actually a sport fishing captain out of San Diego. So, um, he invited me out on a fishing trip and I caught a couple hundred pound bluefin tuna on that trip. And I was like, all, all right. All, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it was kind of game over from there, but he actually never hunted before. Oh, um, no way. the first time he came up here, I was like, all right, like no, no 
we're like, we're just cutting to the chase here. Like, uh-huh. this is who I am. This is how I live. Uh-huh. I'm like, we're going to go shoot. I got like one of all of my guns, like my handgun, shotgun, rifle. Uh-huh. I'm like, let's go shooting. Let's go fishing. Like, this is, this is how I live. And he fell in love with it. Sure enough, um, he got his hunting license a couple months later, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought him a bow for our first Christmas together, even though he was like, nah, I just want a rifle hunt. Like, I don't want to deal with a bow. And I bought him a bow for Christmas and he fell in love with that. So, yeah, he's he's more obsessed with hunting now than he is with bass fishing. So he does the fishing thing. That's his job? Yep. Okay. That's his full-time and, job. And he has a boat in San Diego that he takes people out and... Yeah. Yep. He runs, he runs a boat. So it's a charter business. So, um, he's, he's the captain on the boat. So they pick people up, take them out, fish for, I don't know, anywhere between three days to a couple weeks and go down to Mexico probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And drops them back off and they have all their fish. So he's kind of like a fishing guide in a way because they take people out, they teach them what to do. They teach them how to, to tie the knots and they take care of all that for them. So yeah, it's awesome. That's really cool. Has he ever taken any fly fishers on his boat? He has actually. So a few years ago, we actually bought a boat of our own. We started our own business um, and we did that for a year and we had a group come out and it was fly fishing only. Uh And so that was throw bait out there for them. Yeah. 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 We, yeah, Uh we did. Um, I don't think the fishing wasn't very good that time, Mm -hmm. but yeah, every once in a while they'll get a fly fishing group and usually it's everybody on the boat is you know it's a fly fishing only group that goes out but yeah crazy to imagine fly fishing for those ocean fish are just yeah they're mean yeah <laughs> love it yeah um are you seeing more women getting into hunting and fishing over the years or i would say it's kind of weird for me because i live in my own little circle yeah. <laughs> um but some of my best friends are women who i've met through social media actually who hunt and fish which is awesome because i never had that growing up i never had it. i was always kind of the outcast like why are you hunting and fishing like why aren't you coming to the high school party and i'm like i'm going fishing like super early in the morning you know yeah. so um <laughs> i felt like i was never understood people yeah. kind of were like you're doing boys sports why are you doing that so now that social media is out there i i feel like we're able to connect more yeah. and i hear that a lot from other girls like man i wish we lived closer i don't have any friends where i live that do this like i don't have any girls that do this so I definitely think there is an increase. And I think that having that connection through social media is really helpful because then you can even meet these girls. Like the girl I went to Alaska with Bridget, I'd never really met her before. We met through social media and we went on a trip and I've had multiple girls trips, hunting and fishing like that. So that's yeah. been really cool. If there was any place that you could go, oh, let me, let me ask this question. Or, or I guess in the fly fishing world, we're seeing a huge increase in women uh, in the sport. And uh, we've been doing these uh, women's days up here okay. in this area. And we'll have like 60 women show up that have never fly fished before. Wow. And we're teaching them how to fly fish when all these other women instructors come up and teach them. It's really cool. That's awesome. And so we're seeing this big uh, increase for sure in, in, in this genre. Yeah, fly that's amazing. For sure. Um, if you could, if you could go hunting anywhere in the world and get a particular animal, where, where would you go and, and why? Oh man, that's tough. After being in Alaska, I definitely think caribou is on my list. Um, but for some reason, ever since I've been a little kid, I have my dream animal has been elk. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's like a standard thing that they hunt, but 
And like a lot of people, they're like dream animals, like a red stag from New Zealand or something. And yeah. I'm like, I just want to kill a big bull. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, where, I don't know. I really haven't traveled that much, to be completely honest. That's something that I really want to start doing more. And I have been doing more the last couple of years. Um, hunting in Alaska was a, a good part of that. But um, this year I'm going to be going to Idaho. I'm going to apply for hunts in New Mexico. So awesome. I'm trying to get out there a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm hoping that that'll kind of make more things happen because so far it's just been like yeah that'd be cool but always busy <laughs> never make it happen interesting thing that's uh i guess we've had i guess we've had three elk kind of come into this area um over in the last few months i don't know if you have you heard about that yeah i yeah. have heard yeah. about it i've i've seen some pictures yeah 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 there was uh i live here in kernville but there was one in the uh, kernville old golf course oh my gosh right there that's that a crazy trip, huh? yeah it's Rocky crazy Mountain elk. yeah they just move around and yeah pretty crazy yeah um let's talk about your uh, sponsors and okay. and, and how, how that all went down and how that works and stuff yeah so um like i said that that first year social media um my page just kind of grew instagram kind of grew because of that one fish that i caught and um I don't remember even how it happened or what happened. No one really had reached out to me. Maybe some small private fishing company is like, hey, we'll send you a T-shirt if you rep our brand or something. And I was like, no, nah, like, you know, I'm just doing my own thing type of thing. Um, but my favorite company for years reached out to me randomly one day and that's Realtree, Realtree Outdoors. So, so were you like using their products? I was using their products. I, I mean, I wear their clothes all the How time, cool is that, fishing, huh? hunting, just everyday life. It was just, it, I was wearing it every day. I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I was just obsessed and I would tag them in my pictures here and there. They actually had like some contest that was like, just showing that you live the real tree life. And I remember I tagged them in my picture, random picture. And I'm like, yeah, I live the real tree life. I tagged them or whatever. And I won their contest. And I was like, how cool is this? They sent yeah. me like a koozie and a hat and like, you know, a few little things. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm like, this is awesome. And then, uh, they emailed me like a month later and they're like, Hey, we want to talk. We, we want you to work for us. And I actually started as a, you know, it was a sponsorship, but I actually started writing articles for them. And I was writing articles about, they called it nine to five with Kayla Nevius because they liked that I worked a nine to five and I still made time for the outdoors and, um, went to shot show the first time with them. And it, that kind of just opened the doors, I guess, for some more companies in the hunting industry, at least, um, being a part of that brand. I've been with them for about seven years, um, and love them, love working with them. So they're, they're probably, they're definitely the, the company I've been with the longest. And, and what, 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 uh, what do they have clothing and what else? Yeah. So Realtree actually is a camouflage company. So they're, their brand is the camouflage pattern. And then they partner with companies who print their brand or make their brand. So anything from lifestyle products, I mean, camo is kind of a new big thing, I guess, the last 10 years or so sure. where yeah. it's like people want real or they want camouflage on their car. They wear <laughs> camouflage shirts and they don't even hunt or fish or any, you know, nothing outdoors, but they like the camouflage. So Realtree actually got big into the lifestyle aspect of things where they make phone cases and anything you can think of. And then also the camouflage patterns of the clothes that we hunt in. 
Is there, uh, so it's just all clothing and, and that's mainly what they have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But even like my bow is real tree pattern. Oh, um, okay. so they partner with a ton of different companies. I see. Yeah. So any other sponsors that you work with or, um, I've, so I've actually kind of tried to keep it pretty simple the uh-huh. last few years. I used to have a handful of fishing sponsors and I kind of backed out, um, mostly just staying true to myself and a lot of companies will want to like offer, you know, a little bit of product and they want a lot in return. I feel like that's the new thing. Like we want yeah. you to post this and you have to look like this and do this. And yeah, I, uh, like I said, from the beginning, I'm all about staying true to myself. And so I'm not going to post something on social media just because a company's telling me to. Um, so now I only partner with, and I always have only partnered with companies who will let me post my authentic self and if it aligns and I actually love their product, then maybe we can work something out. But, um, sometimes the money is a nice little extra that I can put towards hunting and fishing. But if it's going to be, uh, not worth my while, or I'd rather be hunting or fishing and, and stay true to myself, then, then I do that. The other big company that I'm with is Bomar Nutrition. That's actually a supplement company. So that's on the fitness side of things, but they're also huge in the hunting industry as well. Um, I met them at that first shot show that I'd gone to through hunting. So, yeah. What, what is that? What is a supplement? Like so, energy? So, yeah. Between um, vitamins and just like health, there's like green drinks and collagen for your joint health and hair, skin, nails. And um, what's the name of it? Bomar Nutrition. Oh, cool. And they, um, and then, yeah, anything from workout stuff. So they have protein powders, they have pre-workout, um, intra-workout stuff, mm-hmm. kind of a handful of everything. <laughs> um, so for me being in the fitness space, it's huge and one of my biggest, biggest sponsors. So yeah, do you pound that before you go on those long hikes? <laughs> I actually do. Um, they, they do have hydration products and, some, uh, like nootropic product that mm-hmm. actually helps your brain function and, you know, reducing brain fog and yeah. enhancing focus. So that's actually a go-to. I kind of make a little mixture for my hikes that I always drink, you know, that it's called sharp. It's just, you know, make sure that I'm sharp yeah. <laughs> and uh, also hydrated for my hikes. That's so huge on the water and out in the mountains. Those are two products that I always have with me. So you, you caught this big bass. And everything kind of snowballed and you started getting sponsors and now you can kind of use that money to go hunting, which is awesome. And then, but you're also a businesswoman. Yeah. And you started a, a new business, Lift, Lift for Life? Or? Lift Your Life. Lift Your Life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah. So, um, through, throughout high school and everything, I never really knew what I wanted to do, but the one thing that it came down to was like, I like, I like people. I like working with people. I like helping people. So through college, I got my degree in child adolescence and family studies with a minor in psychology. I was kind of on a teaching track, thought I want to be a teacher. And then I was like, nah, I don't really want to. I like the psychology stuff, became a counselor. And I was like, okay, this is my purpose in life. I'm here to help people. Um, maybe someone who hasn't had someone to help them before they haven't had someone to listen. They're just in a bad place and it may not even be their fault. Just whatever it was, I wanted to help people. So that job, I was actually specifically working with youth and I absolutely love my job. Um, And through my years, I've mostly worked in mental health. 
Uh, my previous job, I was actually juvenile corrections officer and I did that for years. And in that position, I kind of knew like, this isn't exactly what I want to do. I'm able to help these guys a little bit, but not as much as I want to. And then one day I was just like, man, I could put all of my passion for mental health and my passion for fitness, because I love working out, I could put those together and I could really help people like this. This might be what I'm supposed to be doing. And so this was like the first time in my life that something was like, yes, this is for sure what you should be doing. Take, take a leap of faith. I right then and there bought the course. I started studying while working full time as a corrections officer. Um, I told them that I was doing it. I told them like, hey, just so you know, like I am, you know, I just started these classes. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing for a little bit. And I passed all the exams. I started my company and it just took off and I couldn't be more grateful. I absolutely love it. I feel like I'm finally doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm able to help people in so many different aspects of our, of their life. And it's all related, our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health, our mindset, everything is just totally related. And when we can work on it all together and, and build a healthy lifestyle, it's, it makes me happy. So that's what your, your business is about, just all that. And then, so do you, do people come to you or do they, uh, you, you counsel them at a place or is it, how, what is it, how does it work? Yeah. So I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach. So that's the focus of my business okay. is personal training and nutrition. Um, I do have in-person clients where I train them at the gym and then I have online clients where I do the nutrition. I also write programs, you know, workout programs for them and I can do that all online also. So I have a handful that I see in person, a handful that I've never even met, mm -hmm. um, which is really awesome. And it kind of helps me see more people and help more people than I would be able to, if it was just all in person, I can kind of spread myself a little bit farther. So with the fitness and nutrition, I wiggle in the mindset there. The mindset has so much to do with working out and eating well and our relationship with food and even our relationship with being active. So I do a lot of mindset work. I do, I definitely wiggle in the mental health side of things and, you know, make little daily goals of just like, Hey, what are you proud of yourself for today? Like, that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Like, what am I proud of myself for? Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like, like, what do you do for your mental health? I don't know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. I, I absolutely love it. That's awesome. One of my sayings is that uh, people go, well, what do you do, guy? Well, um, work, <laughs> church, and fishing, and they're all the same yeah. for me. Yep. But you know what's so cool about about you is that, or isn't it isn't it amazing, like, when you do something that you love, it's like you don't really work, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Isn't that? It's great. It's I find so much fulfillment in helping people and I don't even know if my clients really understand this, but like they'll send me a picture of them and they just worked out or they'll, they'll tell me that they reached new goal or they remembered to do something or they took an outside walk for the first time in two months. And it like fills my heart. It makes me so happy for because sure. I'm just like, wow, like I am so proud of you for doing that because I know how hard it can be mm -hmm. and you're making your life so much better. So my business lift your life is kind of double meaning lift as in lifting weights and lift it as in make it better. So, oh, cool. um, just about being the best version of yourself, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally with your nutrition and your relationship with food and, 
and everything. And it's been so much fun to really educate people through the process. I'm not the type of coach that just tells people like, hey, I want you to eat this. This is your meal plan. I like to teach them how they can make tweaks to what they like to eat so that they can reach their goals and they can make healthier decisions. And that way it'll be sustainable. So they'll want to do it for the rest of their lives. And I found a lot of um, appreciation through me actually teaching through the process because now they really understand and it's awesome just seeing people grow. Yeah. Do you have your own like kind of like meal plan that you go by? Um, I stick to, so through nutrition coaching, I also do um, macros for people. So macronutrients, I figure out how many calories, proteins, carbs, fats they should be eating wow. depending on their goals. And so, yeah, I track my food. Um, I use like an everything. app, everything, really? every calorie that I consume, I track and I don't do that year round, but depending on my goals for that season of the year, um, mm -hmm. I definitely do. So yeah, I keep track of everything, how many calories, how much protein. And, and I make sure that I set numbers for all of those. And I make sure that I hit those every day. That mm -hmm. way I can see the best results. It'd be hard for me with the IPAs. Yeah, yeah, you, know? you have to track those too. <laughs> those are, that would be a hard one. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, nutrition has been like, I, I could eat that whole chocolate cake, but I'm not going to. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that's so hard to do. I it's mean, mental. Yeah. It's a mental battle. And that's yeah. a lot of what I teach. And I'm so thankful for my mental health experience and mm -hmm. my schooling in psychology and all of my experience counseling, because I feel like that's really helped me understand where it all stems from and what people are dealing with. Like, I just had this conversation with a client the other day about how emotional food is. She's like, I never realized oh, that, yeah. you know, food is emotional. Like I'm, I'm upset. So I didn't eat today. And, but like, I know you've taught me I need to eat, like I need to fuel my body. And so it, it's, it's wild. Sometimes you just have to like, your mind has to be more powerful. And one of the things that I always say is like, you know, the 30 seconds of satisfaction you're going to get from eating all of that cake isn't going to be worth, you know, the you progress. Like you're it, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's temporary, temporary, you know, satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So you know, I, uh, I, a couple of years ago, I worked with this actor named Christian Bale mm -hmm. and, um, on the movie that I was working on with him, he was, uh, playing Dick Cheney. Uh -huh. So he had to gain weight. Okay. And so he was like eating pies and like just thrashing his body. Yeah. You know, he's all pudgy. And when I was working with him, he was really fat, you know? And then, um, I, you know, prior to that movie, he had done this uh, movie called The Machinist where he was like just eating an apple a day. Yeah. Did you see that movie? I have, yeah. And he's like skin and bones. Yeah. And um, I was talking to him, how did you do that? And he's, I would just talk to my friends and I would tell me what that hamburger tastes like. And he would mentally yeah. like, you know, dream of that and while he's trying to eat an apple, you know. It's crazy. His body went from like you know, nothing to like super fat. And then he's all cut on some other movies when he's playing Batman, you know, yeah. crazy how it's, you can, it's wild. And we do. So like, I actually just went through a process myself of gaining weight, but in a very healthy, you know, it took a lot of time. I slowly over four months increased my calorie intake until I got to more than what I was used to eating. And I did put on some weight, but healthy weight, I put on a lot of muscle. And then now I'm kind of reversing out of that 
to lose a little bit of the fat that I gained. But yeah, it's it's absolutely wild. And I feel like diet culture right now, especially with social media, there's so many positives and negatives of social media, but right. the diet culture on social media and even movies like that and people seeing people like, oh, look how thin that guy is. And they don't yeah. really know what they did or how they got there, yeah. or if it's actually healthy. So that's another goal of mine is to teach people how to actually be healthy about it. And if you want a piece of cake, have a piece of cake, but just don't eat the whole entire cake. You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. I eat cake. <laughs> don't have eight IPAs. Yeah. I mean, you know, every once in a while, but yeah, teach their while. own. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So um, what else is going on in your life? It sounds like your life is pretty full. I'm pretty, fiance. I'm pretty busy. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, I actually, so I left my job at, um, being a corrections officer just this past year. Like I said, started my business. It, how, it, how, how long were you a corrections officer? For? I was there for, I actually, I worked there for about a year and then I took some time off and then I went back for another few years. So I was there for a while. Um, I think that's the longest job I've ever had. And is that at a youth place? Yes. It, it, oh, it was all kinds of crazy stuff. Youth, I bet. Yeah. Juvenile, uh, boys only. So, yeah. um, and I was actually a defensive tactics instructor for the probation department too. So that was a lot of fun, you know, the physical aspect of it and just uh -huh. knowing how to defend myself and, and teach other people how to do that as well. But yeah, so I, I my business took off. Um, it kind of got to the point where I was like, wow, I'm working and seeing clients every single day before work. And then I'm going to work and I'm not getting off till 10 at night. And I don't have time for anything. Um, and finally I was like, you know what, if I wasn't going to work while I was at work, I was like thinking about workouts and like writing plans for people and how many people I could be helping if I wasn't at work. And kind of like you said, when you, when you're working a job that you really love, that's, you're not really working. And when I was at this other job, I was like, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. So finally, again, took another leap of faith and was like, you know what? I'm going to do this on my business. I'm going to make, make it successful right off the bat this year. And I'm going to make it happen. And I left my county job with benefits and retirement and everybody thought I was crazy. And here I am living my best life and couldn't be happier. I love it. There's so many uh, of my friends that are stuck in, in jobs that they don't really like. Yeah and um afraid to to make that leap that jump and we i've talked about it in other podcasts exact same thing is yeah. like the people that do make the jump it may be tough at first but the ones that do make the jump they're stoked oh yeah right? i i've worked more this past year than i ever have i've worked my butt off and and i still am i mean right before this i was working all day and today is supposed to be my day off my scheduled day off where right. i'm not seeing any clients but i had so much online work and working on my website and working on clothing and just like, yeah. it's never ending. My mind is just, this is where my passion is. So again, finding the balance between like, should I fish today? Or I mean, I didn't even fish today. I was just working on my, my business because I love it and I want to be successful. That's, that's a huge thing. I want to be successful and I want to help as many people as I can. Where do you think your business is going to go from here? Is it going to grow big? Is it going to hire people or He's wow. going to keep it small like that or who knows? Yeah. You know, I try not to plan too much. Uh -huh. My goals in life are to be happy and help people. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like no matter where I end up, 
that's going to happen. I'm very confident in that. And I know that I'll always be doing the things that I love to do. So I don't need to make a ton of money. I'm not out there chasing a dollar. You know, I, I would love to be able to help a ton of people. I actually have an app. So that helps me help more people. I get to train more people online. Um, so I, I would definitely like to see that aspect of my business grow um, maybe someday have my own gym. I'm not sure if that's, nice. you know, I've, I've definitely thought about that, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Nice. Kayla Nevius. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so good to have you on the show. And, um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to check your uh, Instagram page out. Yeah. yeah. What, what is it? It's at Kayla underscore Nevius. Oh, right on. Yeah. Cool. And thanks so much for being on the on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Had a great time. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening out there. Kern River Fly Shop Podcast. This is Guy Gene signing off. <laughs>